You are listening to the Lesson She Learned podcast, produced by the Base Agency and hosted by Zania Blue. This podcast is the place where we stop and reflect on the lessons we are learning in life and business. What can I say? It's the messy and the majestic process of growing through your business's awkward phase. Get comfortable as we dive into today's episode. Hello, family, and welcome to today's episode. I'm pretty geeked about this because I learned some of my most intriguing lessons, okay, thinking about some of this stuff, and it's so funny. I and uh, I was scrolling intentionally, relatively, kind of, sort of, a couple minutes ago, and I, I stumbled across this meme where it was kind of like meme gif, not gif, uh, meme quote tweet kind of thing, and um, it said, in quotes, oh my goodness, you're so self-aware. <laughs> and in quote, the person was like, yeah, and it's killing me. And that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of sometimes where I find myself where I might be considered self- self-aware to some, but you can be so aware of yourself that it's actually a detriment. But we're going to be talking in this episode, <laughs> not about the obsessive, part of being so self-aware but we're going to talk about the intentional part the the useful and the fruitful parts um that are really really good so to kick off today's episode I wanted to just talk about what it has meant um post series silent series and beyond what it has meant for me to be productive now this word has gone from being a bad word to being no, a good word to being a bad word to being a good word in my life. So to for some quick context, because my context can be a little story time sometimes. But for some quick context, when I was in like school, let's say high school, let's say college, it was good or considered good to be productive. But I struggled with production. My attention span wasn't there. In a lot of ways, my interest wasn't there. And so I couldn't even talk my attention span into the room. Um, and I noticed that there was an expectation of being productive and the fruit of being productive was some sort of production. So there was some sort of work or accomplishment that was supposed to be the standard for whatever it was that was supposed to be happening. So whether that production, whether that production was good grades, um, getting high marks on standardized tests, whether it was um, even just the way people saw you in academia, like productive should result in production, even in some kind of athletic environments. Productive is a good workout. Productive is coming to all the practices. Production is I'm stronger. I'm faster. Um, I can compete well. We're winning games. Things like that. And so that was when product, being productive was the first, it was the first time anybody had ever talked about it. That was the environment where they talked about scheduling. They talked about um, in high school, how to use, it was mandatory. Like it was mandatory to use the planners they would give you. Like they would give you a planner. You were supposed to write down the homework that you had for each class. There was always homework for all five core classes. So you had a minimum 
of like five things to do for homework unless it was a special time of year where you're taking more tasks and they want you to be in a better mood or or to get more sleep so that you could get a better score on the test. And then you get to college and they're like, listen, build your own schedule. You know you. (laughs) Like, Choose classes that allow you to be productive. If you're not productive at night, don't take that three-hour seminar that only meets once or twice a week. Pick better classes if you know that you'll never make it to an 8 a.m. class. Don't even do it. Don't even try it. Shoot for 1 p.m. instead. So then there is kind of like, okay, so in between your classes, have internships. In between your classes, be in clubs. In between your classes, you know, be charitable in in the way that, you know, broke college students have a tendency to be charitable. Um, And so all of that, including your social life, was supposed to be productive and lead to production of strong social reputation, um, more athletic development, and, you know, obviously professional and academic vigor. So all of that seemed fine. It seemed positive. But I had really never gotten it down packed. I had learned a lot about a lot of things um, about myself in that process, though. And so during those years where I was being taught about what is productive, what is considered fruitful, what kind of production is the expectation in certain environments, I told you guys oh, at the beginning of this silent series that I struggled with depression for maybe two years. So what was productive was not my problem. <laughs> if we're going to be honest, like it just, it didn't matter. Um, it wasn't relevant. Uh it was it was your problem and not mine. Like that's that's very much the way that I thought about that. So by the time I kind of was starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, I hurried up and started to concern myself with productivity. All of a sudden, data to, from the beginning of the day to the end of the day, I was booked. I was booked with uh, time to go to the gym. I was booked with time to to go to class. I was booked with time to write the papers and do the edits and go to the writing center and study, even though I never I never liked studying. Um, what else? I was booked with clubs and organizations and then relatively booked with my social life, but by the by senior year, child, I was socialed out. I was like, I'm trying to go in the house. I was it was a lot. So that was when I started realizing, especially because of the depression, that's when you start having to pay a lot of attention to your mental health and the things that run the risk of compromising the stability of that mental health. And while smoking and alcohol definitely starts to play with the chemicals um, and can create instability there. That really wasn't the only thing. I was struggling to adapt to the environment. I was struggling to find purpose and satisfaction in that environment. It was a lot going on. So long story short, I learned after I started to kind of gain my faculties back, you know, what allowed me to be productive. And I started paying attention to the way that my mind works. So let's say someone gave an instruction about how to do something. Because if the instruction, the way they put it was too stressful. If the timeline they gave me was too stressful, I would design a new timeline or design a new process for myself that wouldn't stress me out, but that would still allow me to hit the goal. Somehow, someone still managed to graduate with that in mind. So I had learned how 
to think about something in a way that let me customize it. It was the first time I had ever done anything like that. And it's not even something you ask somebody to let you do. You just go, that's not going to work. I'm going to do something else. And for a lot of my life, I did that. I did that without even knowing where it's like, I remember somebody told me, you think the rules don't apply to you. And I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't say it at the time, but I was like, I do think that. (laughs) And it was because I, I would always have to kind of like make certain adjustments or adaptations of how something would need to happen in order for me to be able to feasibly do it. Like I would have to make some some additional process or game in my head in order for me to get anything done. So I'd be like, bet, all right, let's let's do this. And I was able to start getting things done that way. By the time I started to matriculate into like regular work life, I still had to gamify my experiences. I still had to do check-ins with myself and make sure that I was okay and make sure that a stress that I chose wasn't too much, wasn't too substantial. Make sure that a process did not overwhelm or harm me. And even now, just thinking that I'm not as vulnerable as I once used to be, I'm still just as careful with myself as though I am so that vulnerable because I just haven't grown out of you know, caring for myself and the possibility of fragility in any way. Like, I just don't want to be in a situation where I thought I was stronger and I break myself. (laughs) So there's that. Some might say, look at that. That's another trauma. Listen, such is life. But I say all of that to say, I'm going to talk about (laughs) some productivity tools that have helped me as a person who has in the past and somewhat in the present worked through some depressive habits and perspectives, some, I can't even remember what ADHD stands for, a little bit of that, and also just noticing the ebbs and flows of my interest, my mind, and my focus. The last episode that I recorded, I talked about how I tried to record that episode three times in total only succeeded the last time and talked about how some of the way that I thought and processed things started to impact a lot of different things and I wanted to just kind of go into some of the some of the things that have worked now do they work all the time and do they work equally no but they they still work and usually when I'm doing something working on a project I have to kind of consider what it might look like for me to use this tool, use this process. And so tips and tools for productivity, um, project management, and content addition. So the first thing I had to pay attention to is the way that my mind works. This is where being self-aware, even though it can be problematic. This is where it kind of comes into play and can be an asset. When you know that it's easy to lose focus, when you know that it's easy to kind of like lose the goal and the work that comes with the process, you can start highlighting certain things that are typically very easy to forget. You can start to look at a process and think about it in a custom fashion. 
You could like pull out big milestones or you could pull out the details. You could highlight things that work really, really well for you so that when you're doing the work, you're doing it with the right things in mind. And so I can't prescribe for your mind something that's going to work for you. I had to look at the way that I think and look at the way that I process information and go, okay, so this is what I actually need to see in order to produce or to be productive. I had a job where a part of the job was creating plans, process plans, um, creating documentation. And a part of the job was just being aware of the high volume of work and having some sort of plan or process for documenting all of the work and tasks that are on the docket. And when I would meet with my manager um, or director, I would have to know and have written somewhere, on possibly even on the template that they gave me, what the work was. The problem was I could not, for the life of me, get my mind to orient projects or assignments in the way that they were trying to to get me to document them. I wasn't able to prioritize that way because I couldn't see what needed to be prioritized. Like it was certain things that because I didn't have I didn't have enough time to sit and think and ponder on like the way that I think to reorient this, I just wasn't able to use the tool and not having a tool or not designing or prescribing for myself a tool made it harder for me to not lose track of the work. So in that time, I started to test out things. And this is when I found out I wasn't broken either. I just hadn't found what worked for me. And I think finding out that mentally I'm not broken because a template doesn't work for me, it just means this isn't sufficient for my mind. It doesn't make it worthless. It doesn't mean that it's broken. And it also doesn't make something else inconsiderate of me. It just means it's not for me. And I had to learn this because I thought that the way that I thought was a disability. Like I thought it was a dysfunction. But if I just looked at the way that I think and take heed to the contours of my mind and the fact that a lot of them are very consistent, I'll win. Any any sort of day planner that has an overwhelming amount of boxes is not going to do well for me. Because I'm like, in a moment, I'm thinking... I hope I, I hope this is enough space and I hope I can think inside the box. The moment you take the confines off of the space that I have available to document, the moment I'm not overly concerned about formatting because whew, the, the way that I need a page to be symmetrical, <laughs> it's just so funny. Um, the moment I don't have to worry about those things, I can now focus a little bit more on the task. And I'm going to, so, okay. If I'm going to put these things, I'm going to name a bunch of tools in the end, um, or I'm going to list them all in the end, but I'm going to name drop them here and there. So a tool like Sunsama, if it existed or if I knew about it when I was doing that high volume project management job, would have been a game changer. Why Why do you say that tonight? I wanted to know how long it was taking me to do work. I wanted to organize the work by the day. I wanted the work to have objectives attached because sometimes you're working on more than one big project at a time. I wanted to, I wanted to know what is a high volume project and a low volume project. I wanted to be able to make a task right now and put it at the top of the list. 
And I wanted to sometimes attach it to a calendar invite. I wanted to add notes. I wanted to add comments. I wanted to be able to tag people and add people. I wanted to be able to reorient the list based on priorities. And sometimes priorities can flip on their head in a second based on an emergency that comes up. And I wasn't aware of the software during my time there. And matter of fact, when I found it, I emailed my old director and was like, hey, you might like this. Not because we are so cool, but because it was a miracle to find something that knew how to be as dynamic as a human when you're talking about managing a day and managing a lot of tasks. And to this day, I stand by Sunsama because it's a fantastic app. Now, the mobile version of the app and the iPad version of the app are still in, actually all of the versions of the, of the app you download are still in beta, but the version of the website, priceless, phenomenal, 10 out of 10. Um, yeah, <laughs> go to sunsama.com, do the 14 day trial, set your life up, and watch her life change, and you're welcome. Now, so about the planners and things like that. So there's still going to be things that you might need to draw out, things you might need to outline, things that you feel like you need an inexhaustible number of pages for. Now, disclaimer, I'm a, I'm a pen and paper person. I like stationery and I like notebooks. However, I live in a condo with very limited space. I don't even have enough space to be the kind of person that I really am with physical books, physical notebooks, and pens everywhere. I really just, it, it's, not, it's not possible right now. And I don't like that when I'm working on something, there's the possibility to run out of pages. I don't like that. And so my iPad, my Magic Keyboard, and my Apple Pencil, and my GoodNotes app. Working collaboratively to let me keep my peace. And I am surprised to say that being a paper person and a pen person, and I also remember at that same job, that I remember she was like, hey, it's way more efficient if you write things instead of typing things. I mean, if you type things instead of writing things, because you're going to have to write it twice. And I tried to explain to her, she respected it, but I tried to explain to her, if I type it, I promise I won't remember. If I write it, even if I have to spend more time doing it the long way, I won't forget. She said, that's more work. I said, hey, it's my work. <laughs> she said, okay. And I kept writing. Because it was truly like, if I can't write this down, I'm not going to know where it went. First of all, I'm not going to remember that I wrote it. You're going to bring it up later. And I'm going to act like I was not there. And I need to retain this information this way. And there were just so many rules and recommendations for how to retain, process, and document information that I could. I, it was a struggle for me in that way. Learned a lot, but I struggled. Um, and so being a paper and pen person and not having bought a new notebook, not having bought 
a pack of new pins when that's my jam. This iPad has given me never-ending pages in a notebook, covers of notebooks that I could personally design or just download a couple of new ones, literally designing the layout of pages and the thing that I always wanted that was never reasonable for a regular notebook was you could never have like lines on one page, blank page on another page. I'm not a dotted journal person, but if that were you, like dotted pages on another page, like it would like it would just not be feasible to have all of those Cornell notes on another page. Like it would just not be reasonable to expect all of those different styles of ruled paper to be in the same notebook. But family, it's all possible <laughs> in the GoodNotes app. Um, and it's so crazy because when I started doing way more documentation for the company, like I would create my like my my notebook covers and my section dividers don't even get me started but because I love this uh, I was able to do my um notebook covers and section dividers in like in Canva download them as pdfs and then upload them into the notebooks and there's the notebook will never run out of space ever and if and I could write in the notebook and I could type in the notebook and on the same page that I'm writing I can also type on it's beautiful it's it's beautiful it's my it's my favorite thing and so there's that and so I noticed that when I'm looking at the way that I get work done I need to draw so in my apartment um when we first got here for the first like year or two there was always writing on the windows in dry erase marker or in white chalk marker because I needed, I couldn't find enough. I only needed the space to think. I wasn't trying to save it all for later all the time. Sometimes I wanted to, sometimes I couldn't. I would find myself taking lots of pictures of my windows because <laughs> they had all my notes on them, but I only wanted them to think or to get through a process. But once I thought it all the way through, I'm like, bro, this is, this is the answer. So it's I'm in my house. It's looking like a beautiful mind everywhere. And I'm like, bruh, I need some whiteboards. So I started buying whiteboards, but I don't live in a classroom or an office. So I was just, it would be too much. So having this fixes my need to need to write it out and also makes it so that I don't run out of space and I don't have to erase it all later. It's beautiful. Um, and even when I take that same, like when I'm using those same apps, so they have like digital planners. I noticed that for a lot of digital planners, they don't work for me because they usually are like, they just don't work for me. I don't, I can't explain why as beautiful as planners are, physical or digital, why they don't work. Um, a part of me feels like it's because it's too many pages. It's too many pages. As useful as all the pages are, there are too many of them. Um, and typically, I want to start making adjustments to them, and then that defeats, defeats the point of buying a pre-designed planner. And sometimes, I'll use it. Well, when I first bought it, because I needed to make sense of the fact that I bought it. But now, I'm just like, listen, it's not for you. <laughs> and that's like, that's the kindest thing that a person like me could say to myself, listen, it's not for you. Um, and it's no jab to self. It's just, hey. We don't need to keep doing this. Let's move on.
<laughs> so, but it does still work when I purchase um devotional workbooks. So I bought a workbook from like two, maybe, maybe like two, three years ago from this company called She Reach Truth. And so there are, they study entire books of the Bible and they kind of give you They'll, they'll like have bib the text there, but they'll also have questions and prompts and, you know, little things to make the devotional process a little, a little like curated, a little beautiful. Like, especially if you're doing a deep dive on something, it gives you enough space to kind of do your study, but like have this special emphasis on whatever the book is that you're reading or whatever the topic or theme is that you're reading on. And I bought the physical book and I think the, the issue that I had was, a, it was, it seems like a ridiculous issue, but any issue that I have, I try not to, I try not to disrespect them in that way. But my, it was as beautiful as it was, as well designed as it was, as thick and meaty as it was. The paper texture, not for me, not for me. Mm-mm. And I remember one time, I took that ultra soft paper texture. I'm literally getting cold just thinking about it. And I put that Sharpie marker pen to that paper. And I said, I bet y'all I'll never write on this again. And so when I found out, <laughs> after I got my iPad, that they have the digital workbooks. And on top of that, when I was writing with regular pen before I had that obviously ridiculous experience with, the, with this overly soft paper that makes a sound when you touch it. And that Sharpie marker pen, um, before that I was using regular pen and I had to over moisturize my hands just so I could touch this paper the way I needed to. And I would run out of space. But the thing about it is you could be in the middle of a PDF and like just add another page. And there are enough pages in the PDF that they give you to take the notes page and just duplicate it. So now you can you can go on a tangent in your notes. You can do a deep study with your notes and not be like, oh man, where'd I put that? You put it where everything like that went because you could add 30 pages between this page and the next page just writing your notes. Like, you're fine. And so that's why good notes, my Apple Pen, and my iPad itself are just beautiful. Um, not all, and then I still use the magic keyboard, even though I have the pencil, because I'm not always writing. Um, and then like when I'm doing documentation and stuff, I'm not trying to write that. Like I write in semi-cursive, semi-print. And so it's a little bit harder when I'm not writing in full print for like the keyboard or for like the, the iPad to just correctly say or type out what I'm saying. So sometimes it's just way easier to type it and format it the way you need it to be. And so I I would say I use the pencil more than I use the keyboard, but I also low-key wanted to replace my very heavy laptop, which was also an older Apple computer, with this whole setup. So this works for me. Um, and so that's that. So those are some of the tools I liked. Um, and then the last one, the last one is a little bit more about content. I'm trying to decide. Okay. I'm not going to get into it. I said for content creators and for, you know, project managers, but I think I'm going to leave it there 
because I can do an entirely different episode on an entirely different vein about content, but let's just say this one is just about project management. Yeah, let me just put that note here so that I don't mislabel this episode. <laughs> but guys, I said product management, product management is project. Someone help me. Um, <laughs> management. So that is all I have for us today. I think that knowing how to honor the way that I think, not consider the way that I think to be problematic, um, and learning how to figure out what are staples or standout moments in the way that I think to make it easier to do the work for me works. But I think one more thing about this topic before I let you go. I think that it's healthy that I have this diversity of thought or diversity of perspective um, for two reasons. One, I know exactly what it feels like to be in a situation or an environment and the standard not work for you personally. And I have learned how to not dismiss or belittle or like compromise the integrity of something because it is non-standard. So I've had this experience in a lot of environments to the point where I almost expect for the standard to not work, but I always try to give it a try. Um, and when it doesn't work, I start to make my adjustments because I, I like to think that I know myself a little bit better these days. When I think about other children, um, because I have worked, I studied education, um, worked in a whole host of media, marketing, and education environments. And when I think about children and I think about the diversity of their thought, and I think about the danger of being told you think wrong, um, you think poorly, or there's something wrong with the way you think, and because you don't think like a normal person, um, here's what we'll do instead versus saying, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make sure you understand and everybody isn't going to understand this way. So it's reasonable and it makes a lot of sense that you might not understand it the way that I put it formally. I think that knowing and being willing to give children the freedom of diversity of thought will, would allow for a lot more learning to take place um, in certain environments. Um, I think that it would allow for a lot of creative thinking a lot of creative problem solving. And I think that it would result in higher self-esteem in our young people. And I think if, if nothing else has come from this besides figuring out how I think and managing my task and managing my work and you know noticing how my work affects my mental health and all that jazz, if nothing else, I've learned enough to honor the way that my daughter thinks the way she processes information, the way she retains information, and knowing and understanding that there's going to likely be some disparity between the way that I teach it and the way that she might actually learn it. And giving her the freedom and the flexibility to fail at things and then figure out what will allow her to be productive or produce Um those are going to be the, the spaces where I test not only my own theories, but my patience with someone who may or may not be like me. Um, and so I only bring it back there because I think it's reasonable to not just take 
the lessons that we're learning in a single environment and leave them there. But to take that same wisdom, that same insight, that same information, and bring it back to every other environment we live in to see if it still stands up in the light and shows that it is good. Um, And so that is what we're taking away from the lessons we learned today. I look forward um, to sharing a few more lessons with you, sharing lessons from our guests, and even sharing some lessons with from you guys. Um, I mentioned in the last episode that we do have a new Facebook page that I'm just getting up and started. I started with just hosting a few of our live interviews with guests in that space and in that environment, but I'm excited to also be hosting some conversations in there, hearing about some of the lessons you guys are learning along the way. And I'm excited to be learning more from the people, not just at the mic, but the people we're all surrounding ourselves with. And so until next time. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Um, I had a lot of fun recording it and just thinking creatively about different aspects of business and different lessons that we're all learning along the way. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would love to see like a quote or a snippet um, that felt that you felt like really resonated with you. Um, feel free to tag me on Instagram at the base agency group um, for shares. And if you have any questions that you wanted to ask, or if you have any topics that you would love to see broken down, um, or even love for us to kind of reflect on as like a case study, we absolutely can. And of course, If you really enjoyed today's episode and you wanted to kind of take your love to the next level, uh, feel free to leave us a review, rate and review, because it helps people just like you who need tips just like these to go ahead and develop their business with clarity and confidence. And so feel free to support just in that way, leaving that review, leaving those stars, and we will see you next time.